If you will open your Bibles to the Gospel of John, we will be looking at verse, uh, chapter 11. So John chapter 11, we'll be looking at verses 17 through 27. Let me tell you about Maggie. Maggie is a mom who is currently struggling in her life, and it's not just a small struggle, but she would actually say that her life feels pretty dark right now. Ever since COVID, she feels like nothing is going right. The way, the, the picture that she had for her life isn't coming true. She has anxiety about work. Every time that she has to go to work or a, a next project is due, she gets anxious and she has these fits in which she feels like she can't go forward. She is struggling with relationships at her home where she always feels like she's fighting, whether it's with her spouse or with her kids. And on top of all of this, she is still grieving the death of her mother who passed a few months ago. She feels as if the story of her life is one in which everything goes wrong. She, she has no hope of it getting any better. She feels like there's no momentum. And now she would say she believes in God, but she feels that God is cold and distant and uncaring. Now, what would you say to someone like Maggie? And maybe a better question is, what do you say to yourself? What do you say to yourself when you are in struggles of darkness and hardship? I know that there are those of out, you out there who are anxious about work, who are anxious about things that are happening in the world. I know that there are those of you who are struggling with relationships where you feel like this person, I thought we were, we were, we loved each other and we cared for each other, and yet for some odd reason, we are just fighting all the time. And there's those of you who have gone through a recent death. What do you say to yourself when you are in those situations? What do you say to yourself when you feel like the story that your life is telling, nothing good can come of it, that you have no hope of it changing, that you feel that God is distant? Martha, who we're going to read about in this story, probably felt a similar way. You need to know that we're jumping in the middle of the story. And what you need to know is that um, Lazarus has been sick, Martha's brother. And so Martha sends word to Jesus, sends a message to Jesus saying, Jesus, Lazarus, the one you love, is sick. Please come and heal him. But Jesus doesn't come. In fact, he waits where he is, and Lazarus dies. And after four days of Lazarus being dead, Jesus finally arrives. And this is where we get to this point in the story. And in this point in the story, Jesus appears, and yet Martha, in this situation, has to be feeling like this story is not a good one. That there is very little hope. She probably feels pretty distant from God. And yet, as we read, I want you to hear what Jesus' response to Martha is. And Jesus' response to Martha is the same one that we get to hear in our lives when we are going through hardship. That our story is a good one, and it is not over. That we have hope, we have an eternal hope that is promised by God. And finally, we have a God who is personal and near. 
So let us look at John chapter 11, verses 17 through 27. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been, dead, been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that for a lot of us, we go through dark times. We go through hardship. And maybe for some of us, we are feeling that weight this morning, that our stories are not a good one. And yet, let us hear from our, your word. Let us hear from you that you are writing a story that has not yet been fully told. And that you have given us hope, that you promise resurrection and life. And it is not just because it is a doctrinal truth, but it's because you promised it. It's because we get to have a relationship with the one who guarantees it. So we pray this morning as we hear from your word that we can know of you, know of your love, and have a relationship with you. One in which we call out to you as Abba Father and call out to you saying, come, walk us through this time in our lives. Amen, amen. If you go back to the very first verse, verse 17, it says, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. And what we know is that it's not just that Jesus waited four days, but in fact, he heard that Lazarus was sick, waited, Lazarus dies, and then waited four more days to come to Martha. And so now Martha is in mourning, and she's not just mourning the death of Lazarus. Well, what else is she mourning? She's mourning a relationship with Jesus. I mean, just imagine what that would feel like, is that you are in time of darkness, you are in time of struggle, and you send word to a friend, send word to someone, and say, come, I need your help, and they don't come. And they don't seem to help. See, Martha is in a place of darkness, and it's not just the darkness of death, but it's the darkness of a relationship. Because when we're at this point in the story, it seems odd to us. It seems like, Jesus, you could have come. You could have rescued Lazarus. And yet this story, at least the point that we're at, makes Jesus seem cold, seem distant, that Jesus didn't really love them. And you can even hear it in Martha's voice when she says it in verse 20, 21. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus could have done something. Why is this working out this way? 
Now, we didn't read this, but let's go back to Jesus' own words of what this story is. And, and so you need to look back at verses 3 through 5. So the sister, sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But Jesus heard it, and he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And yet, once again, where we are in the story, none of this seems true. Lazarus is dead. I, I don't know how God is being glorified at this point. And he doesn't seem to love Martha or Lazarus that much. And in, the mom in this moment, Martha has to be having this feeling of darkness and mourning and death. Maybe that's how you're feeling this morning. I know I have felt it over the past few months in which you say, I, my life is not going the way that it's expected. It seems very dark. And even if you try on your own, you're, you try with your own effort, you try to build momentum, you try to look for the good things, and yet it feels like you fall flat on your face. It feels like things don't work out the way that it's supposed to be. It seems like things just seem to get worse. And there are some of you where you look at your relationships in which you look and you say, nothing good can come of this relationship anymore. This one in which we loved each other, this one in which I thought was good, it seems like nothing good can become of anything that is taking place right now in our relationship. And in the moment of your story, you feel like there's a darkness. You feel like there's a grief. You have mourning. But we have to take Jesus at his word because Jesus said he loves Martha and Lazarus. So what is Jesus' response to Martha when she says, you could have been here? And I want to give Martha credit because she doesn't just end with that. So we're going to be looking at verses 22 through 24. And this is what Martha says after asking Jesus, you could have been here. She says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And listen, I want to be very clear. Jesus isn't being callous to Martha. He's not using sort of the Christianese of he's in a better place. No, he's actually providing her with real hope. Because what is he pointing her to? He's pointing to her to what he had said to the disciples earlier. He's saying to her, the story's not over. Martha thinks he's talking about way off in the future, but we know that Jesus, because spoiler alert, Lazarus does rise from the dead. We know that Jesus is talking about right now, and what he is saying to Martha is he's saying, the story's not over. Because so often in our lives, we get caught up in the here and now. For Martha, she thought, he's dead, story's done. The story's over. This is, this is my life now. And so often in our own lives, we get caught up in the here and now where we either think, this, whatever I'm going through, it's always going to be this way. It's always going to be dark. Nothing good can come of this. It's, this. This current path that I'm on can only lead to my downfall and destruction. And yet, who else feels that way? Pretty much every other character in the Bible. Martha is not the first person to have no idea what's going on in the story. 
Joseph gets sold into slavery. What's going on, Lord? Gets thrown in prison. What's going on, Lord? I don't know. The Israelites get rescued from the Egyptians and end up at the Red Sea and go, Lord, you just sent us out here to die? Even the apostles, the, the apostles followed Jesus for three days. He said he's going to rescue us. He said he's going to save us. And yet he dies on a cross. And for three days, the apostles go, what's going on, Lord? It seems rather dark. And they're going through darkness. They're going through grief. They're going through mourning. The thing they placed place their hope in, the thing they wanted to have happen, didn't seem to happen. And what does Jesus point Martha to? What does Jesus point us to? It's not that Jesus tells Martha in very clear language, oh, don't worry, Lazarus is coming back from the dead. No, what does he say to her? Your story's not over. And what he ends up pointing her to is he points her to the person who controls the story, God. The one who writes the story of our lives, the one who says the story is not over, but it is continuing to be written, God. And the same thing that Jesus points Martha to, he points us to. That the story is not over. That what you're going through right now is not the finish, is not the ending, but it is continuing. And so often in our lives, we think we know what's coming. We think we know how everything's going to work out. Or we think we know how the story will end. And so often we try to take control from the author God. Where we say, all right, I'm going to work really hard. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my hardest. I'm going to perform in order to get over this hardship. Or for some of us, we just throw our hands up and say, bad fate. I got a bad roll of the dice. I guess I'm stuck with this. And yet, what does Jesus say to us and say to Martha? It's, it's not that, Martha, pull yourself up. It is not, Martha, you just got a bad bad uh bad deal of cards instead he says to you and he says to martha and he says to us you are a part of a story you are a part of an intentional story that i have been writing and it is it is authored by the greatest writer of all time that god is always writing better stories than we can possibly imagine and martha was soon going to find that to be true and so what do we do right now if you are going through hardship right now what do you do hear jesus's words once again jesus doesn't say to you now go and perform get better get through it and at the same time jesus doesn't say tough luck but instead what does jesus say he says i am the author of your story and it is not over it is still being written it's still being told do not lose perspective. And the same thing that he said about Martha in this story is the same thing that he says about you. Right in the very beginning, Jesus says, Martha, the one I love. And then the same for you is Jesus says about you, the one I love I am writing a story for. And we don't know where the story is headed, but we know the one who is authoring it. And it is not over. So the story that God is writing is not over, but he actually does give us a glimpse of where it is headed. Look at verse 25 and 26. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, shall he live. 
And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What is Jesus saying to Martha? Not only is the story not over, but life and death, where we place our hope, has been radically changed through Christ. Look, this is one of the darkest days for Martha. Her brother, whom she loved, Lazarus, is dead. And yet Martha knew eventually he would die, right? We all know that we're eventually going to die. We're all going to be in a place where we die. And what the world tries to convince us of, especially me as a younger person, is live life to the fullest because it only goes downhill from here. If you get older, it only gets worse. YOLO, right? You only live once. So live it to the fullest now because it's o- you're only headed to worse places. And yet, what is this saying? It actually is saying that our lives, the way we view them is changed because of Christ being the resurrection and life. We get to hear this deep truth. We get to hear the gospel of hope, that the, that the world is filled with sin. The world is filled with darkness. And yet, grace has come. Light has come through Jesus. The promise that this world will not always be this way. That there will be resurrection and life in the end. That Jesus will return. It won't stay this way. The promise that your love of God is not based on your performance, but based on his love for you. It is not that he said to Martha, congratulations, you performed, so now I will love you, or now I will tell you that I'm the resurrection and life. No, he says, Martha, I love you. I am the resurrection and the life. I have brought good news. And the one who is offering you forgiveness is not based on performance, but based on his mercy. It's not based on you knowing everything that's going to happen, but based on his love. Him being the resurrection and the life, not on you achieving it. And what this actually gets to tell us is that we as believers get to live life on an upswing. Not only that we get to look forward to the day in which I get to meet Jesus face to face, But even now, I get to live my life on the upswing knowing that day after day after day, I get to know more about my Savior. And I get to know more about the hope that he has promised me. And I get to know know more about the story that is being told. And I get to know about his love for me. And it's the fact that everything will be made right, not only then, but even now. Because look at verse 26, it says, And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And it's talking about a spiritual life, that if you are in Christ, you are renewed, in which you get to look at life on an upswing of saying, what is God doing here, and how is he working? What Jesus is telling Martha is the same thing that we need to hear today and every day. We need to hear this because we need to be told that there is a hope. The hope that we get to have is not based on a situation being changed, but because we are being loved and we are being cared for and there is a story being written and it is a good one and has a good ending because it's being authored by Christ. And I want to make this clear. It's not easy. This isn't easy. Once again, Relationships are incredibly difficult. Death is an incredibly difficult grief to bear. Anxiety can be extremely draining and exhausting. But where does Jesus say to place our hope? It is not in the change of situation. It is not even in ourselves 
of us figuring it all out. But instead, we get to place our hope in a promised story that God is writing. That God is the one writing our story. That God is the one who's got it. That God is the one who can give us hope. And if we really believed this promise, what would our lives look like? It would be one in which we wouldn't have to achieve anymore. It wouldn't be one in which we ha- would have to push ourselves to overcome the darkness. And at the same time, it would be one in which we wouldn't have to say, my life doesn't matter, it's just darkness. Instead, we get to say, no, my life does matter. And when we come to the gospel, they are put together in such a way there's this balance in which it's not based on performance and it's not based on faith. But instead, the hope is based on the promised story that Christ has given us that we get to participate in, in which we get to see a story being told and one in which we get to have hope because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so not only do we get to see that the story is being written, not only do we get to have a new hope of life to come, but even life now. But it all comes together in what Martha says in the end. Because what does Martha say in verse 27? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. You see, it's, it's not enough to know that we are in a story. Because Jesus hasn't explained the story to Martha yet. It's helpful. It's helpful to know that we are in a story. But that's not the main thing that Martha, we need. And, and it's not even just helpful enough knowing that there is a hope that we can have for the future. Listen, doctrinal truth is needed. We need that 100%. But where does Martha end up? I believe that you are the Christ This is not a theological, religious, or philosophical, doctrinal statement. This is Martha telling us of her relationship with Christ, of Martha's relationship with God, of, I know you are the Christ. I know you are the Savior. I have a relationship with you. I know who you are. And in the beginning, what did Martha think she needed? She thought she needed a solution. She thought she needed a situation to be fixed. She thought she needed a miracle. And yet, how, what in the end was the thing that brought her the most comfort? A relationship. A relationship with the one who loves her. You see, the glory of the stories of the Bible, the glory of the stories of our lives, the glory of life does not come from the situation being fixed. It does not even come from a miracle itself. It comes from the one who authors them, Christ. And when my daughter gets in trouble, or my two daughters, when they get in trouble, and I say, listen, you need a timeout for two minutes, they go, and and sometimes, you know, they're very sad because they got caught, and they know they did something wrong, so they're crying. And and sometimes, you know, I, I stay back, but, you know, my wife, being the caring one, wants to comfort them. And she goes to them, and she says, don't worry. I know that everything's going to work out in the end. Everything's going to be okay. And maybe that helps a little bit, but that doesn't bring them a ton of comfort. And she says, don't worry. You can have hope. Dad's going to come back. You can have hope. Dad's, Dad's going to be fine. Your relationship's going to be fine. And that provides them a little bit of comfort. But what is the thing that provides them the most comfort? Christ. 
come and we say, you're forgiven and we hug and we cry. And those truths become real because the relationship is real. She gets to know in the end that everything will be fine, that dad still loves her, but it's not because she was told by my wife, but it's because she got to experience in the context of a relationship with the one who loved her. And this is true with our relationship with God. God's sovereignty, the idea that God is writing the story of our lives and that we can have hope that it is a good one is not based on us knowing the answers, but it's because it has given us God. God's sovereignty is far more about me having a heavenly father in heaven who loves me rather than some doctrinal truth that God's got it under control. It's the fact that I get to say, Dad, I need Dad. I need you, God. And he's there. And our hope is not based on the expectation that something will work out the way that we expected in our lives. It's not this expectation that everything will get fixed. It's not this expectation that the minute you live, leave here, the darkness is over and everything worked out fine. And our hope is certain, not because it says, oh, well, don't worry, everything will work out the way you expect in the future. No, our hope is certain, our story is certain, because it's placed on God himself. It's placed on our relationship with God. Listen, we all know of darkness and hardship. Nine years ago this month, Hurricane Sandy barreled through the Caribbean and up the Atlantic seaboard of the United States. It brought $70, million sorry, $70 billion worth of destruction and killed 233 people. And throughout its destruction, the headline read, a catastrophe, pure hell, still hell. And this was the story in the moment in which we said, nothing good can come of this. And to those who are going through it, they said, this is a place of no hope. And for a lot of people, the question arise, can you still have hope? And can you still care? In that late October, the story was one of darkness and warning and death. It was a single story of the destruction of a hurricane. And yet all these years later, what is the story? You hear of the story that the fact that NBC and ABC, two competing networks, decided to join together to cancel their programming for a night to hold a day of giving in which they raised $40 million for relief efforts. You get to hear the stories of 15,000 people volunteering with the Red Cross to provide disaster relief. And you get to hear the story of one Long Island man who put it this way. If I had to pick one word for the response to Hurricane Sandy, and I want to tell you, it's not one of the headlines. He said this, it would be community. How we unselfishly came together to help those in deep distress by pooling our strength and sharing the work and the responsibilities. You see, afterwards and even now, we have story after story because the story was not over. It was still going on. The story of love thy neighbor was coming through. 
And we got to see people have hope, not in their homes being put together or not in the fact of themselves of saying, I'm going to just get through this hardship. But they got to have hope and to see what God was doing. And that was the biggest thing of all. We got to see a personal God at work in his world and his creation and in the lives of those people who came together to help. I don't know all your stories. I don't know what's happening. But I do know that you are in a story. And the story is a good one. And not only that, but you can have hope. Because if you have Christ in your life, your story is a promised good one. It will be good. It will be used for God's glory. But more important than all of that is that you get to have an author, a, a relationship with the author of your story. You get to have a relationship with Christ who promises your story not, is not over and you can have hope and you can run to me and say, Dad, I need gas. You can have a relationship with the one who has been with you the entire time, who is near to you now and will be with you in the end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we do not want to take away from the grief that anyone experiences, that the hardship that people are going through, the hardship that Martha went through. But we can have hope, and we can lean on your truths, that our stories are not over, that they will continue, that your glory will be seen and shown because we are in you. And we can have hope that they are good ones because you promise that you are the resurrection and the life, that you have come to bring life for us not to bring us into darkness, but to save us from darkness. But ultimately, in all of these things, it's not the truth that we lean on, but it is you. It is our relationship with the one who says, I am the Christ who has come into the world, the Son of God who has come to rescue us and save us on the cross. We pray this morning that anyone who's going through hardship can hear the good news of the gospel, that you love us and rescue us, and that you are with us and you are near. In your name, amen. Let us sing of our final hymn, hymn number 321, Great God, do I see and hear. Please stand.